Vinny, I got to tell you something. Go for it. Okay, I'm going to list off a few things and let me know if this feels right to you. Okay, Let me let you know when it starts hitting those spots, when I start feeling mm-hmm. a little warm. So let me tell you a little bit about James Montemagno. Okay. okay? Um, James Montemagno is a person that loves chess. Uh, he's extremely detail-oriented. Okay. He has a overwhelming high tolerance for funny accents. <laughs> I see where this is going now. It took and, me the third um, line. And I know how overwhelmed you are each day. And if I could only somehow join the team to help you out, I would feel better on a day-to-day basis. Okay, okay. So first of all, let me let me explain this, okay? Um, the The official job application that you are quoting from was not written by me. Okay. My, Uh my CEO and only boss, my boss in the company has helped me to realize that I'm under the water and I'm overwhelmed. And with some of the new initiatives we're doing, you know, this happens as you expand and grow. It's a good thing. But the truth is more than anybody else at chess.com, I do get a lot of call them like onboarding tasks. And the reason is like, you know, most people think I'm the owner of chess.com, right? Most people think I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on chess TV yet somehow I'm also the developer. Like literally if you go to Daniel Rich's profile at chess.com, I get thanked for developing new features on a regular basis. It's kind of like you're the, you know, this happens to me often too, by the way, where you're so visible that you become the face of the product. Right. I get this often. I was just demoing, uh, at New York a a few weeks ago on this uh, brand new like hotel type application demo suite that we built and everyone's like oh man that's so great like i'm like i had nothing to do with it right like, i didn't build right. any of it like i don't build the products I, I do on occasion like we get to we get our hands in there right like we're guiding yeah. the direction I mean, of things I help, we're I help doing with the stuff. feedback and i'll do i definitely that that's one of the issues too is because my role i mean i remember uh, we literally have somebody in the company now for every position, everything that I that that I used to like do mm-hmm. myself, it's amazing how you get to that point, right? I used to edit my own videos and spend a lot of time like in Camtasia Studio and Adobe, you know, Captivate and all these like, you know, all, all this. Anyway, so long story short, everybody, Mats was teasing me a little bit about we put out an official job search to be the assistant to the regional manager known as Danny Wrench. So not assistant regional manager, assistant to the regional manager. To the regional manager. No, just yes. kidding. But um, you know, we really are. We're looking for an assistant, and this person will be like my executive assistant, probably like BCC'd on all my emails and kind of stuff. I don't know. But, you know, because I get a lot of those initial emails that are like, hey, we want to we want to develop this relationship with chess.com to to people who are just potential affiliates and partners to title players who who want to get more involved and create content for us and and kind of see me as they're in because they you know they see me doing shows and videos so they feel like if they can convince me then they're going to get paid gigs from chess.com and all that stuff is true so i think that as these other initiatives have taken off and i need to kind of be focused on some bigger picture stuff adding to commentary than some of those onboarding tasks we just need help with. And so we're going to have somebody who basically works right alongside me. I'm super excited about it. And if you are listening to this podcast and you are a future um, assistant to the regional manager, then welcome. So anyway, yeah, you're, you're right. It did feel bad. But again, I didn't write any of that. Eric wrote that whole job application and he's not even letting me review the jobs. He's, he's doing the first round of vetting because he doesn't want me involved. He's only going to give me a list of people. Like once we get down to like a smaller list. I would say also, if you're a listener to Coffee House Blunders, you should probably put that on your resume because it gives you a foot in the door. Um, I mean, this is this is coming from someone that doesn't work at the company, nor has any part of this application process. <laughs> but I would definitely put it in there. Now, I do want to point out here, I'm linking directly to the application. 
when I saw CCO, I thought it was chief cockiness officer, but it's not yep. cheer the chief chess officer. <laughs> Why not chief cheese officer or chief <laughs> um, chief cheesy jokes officer with cheesy jokes being hyphenated? So, so <laughs> that'd CCO. be pretty good. And I well, want to make CCO sure that was go ahead. Go ahead. No, we're CCO is a title that we invented because um, Eric and I at some point. You know, we, we've talked about the future of the company and he's I've been like, you know, maybe you should be the future CEO. And he and I kind of manage a lot of stuff together. And it was like, you know, we should, you know, I'm I'm really like always going to be head of the things that I'm head of. And that's not exactly the 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 traditional mode of a CEO or the traditional mold. Right. So like it's really the chief chess officer and it is chess.com. So that's good. So we just invented that title recently. It was kind of funny. It's pretty good. Now, I want to make sure that people know when you go to fill this form, you're going to have to at least meet a few of these skill criterias, okay? And these, I'm going to read them in order as listed. They may not be in the order of importance, okay? So project management skills and a detail-oriented mind. You got to have detail-orientedness. That's on there twice. You got to be able to type fast. <laughs> that's literally what it says. That, you know, it tells you that these our criteria is not very high, if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> you don't have to be accurate typing, just fast typing. Fast typing, that's right. Uh, positive and validating tone in email and communication. So right. no we do, negativity. We do a lot of very important communication when the stakes are high. So we always want to kind of be validating of the other person's perspective and point of view. And number four is number four is passion for chess just is listed randomly, you know, just in case you want to work at chess.com. Right. And it then helps. it helps. Finally, you have to have a high tolerance for saying good job after hearing about Danny's <laughs> CrossFit workout each day. That's how you could tell Eric wrote this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think he also makes fun of other things too. So um, pretty good. Uh, I'm going to apply. I think I'm, I'm, I might, I might, uh, I didn't know. Let's change the subject. All right. So as, as fun as it is and as big news as it is that Danny is looking officially for an assistant at chess.com, there's much bigger news in the world of James Montemagno. Tell everybody the news there. I, I'm looking right at it. And, uh, <laughs> what kind of car did you buy? Yeah. So I, I tweeted out a photo a few days ago. And uh, I've been, I'm going I'm to link this, uh, the link to my tweet. And then Danny, I'm going to put it in our Zencaster so you can, you can, you can retweet that to your peeps. Um, peeps. Yeah. So, so I live in a city called Seattle, Washington. I've heard of it. And it's a city where there's a lot of vehicles, minimum uh, parking on the street. And um, I started to use, I haven't owned a car in six years. I used to have a Honda Element. I drove it up here. I sold it right away. And I started using Zipcar to, to drive around. And then I recently switched over to Car2Go, which is a pay-by-minute car service. And why I like this is because it, they have these smart cars all over the city. You know those tiny little smart cars, yep. like the European yep. ones? It, it's not a huge thing in, in, um, in where I live in the Phoenix metropolitan area. No, However, just um, I, I am aware of it. I, I, we use the smart car regularly when I played um, at one of the East Bay International events. Mm. Years ago when the East Bay Chess Club was active, I got one of my I am norms there when I became an international master. And we rented a smart car to drive from uh, Richmond, which, by the way, at the time was the murder capital of the U.S., Richmond, um, which is north of Oakland, in case you don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and we would drive a smart car and park in like a public location and me and Uncle Yermo, Alex Yermolinsky, would walk back to the house and let's just say like sometimes it was really nerve-wracking. Sorry, I totally changed the subject, but yes, that is my smart car experience. Continue. 
Yeah, so I, just like you, basically fell in love with the smart car because I started driving all of the city and I could park literally anywhere. Like, is, like is you that see what those you got spots? out of that story that I fell in love with a smart car? Because maybe I need to retell it. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Danny fell in love with the smart car. I fell in love with the smart car because yeah, you can just fit it in any parking spot. You know, like when you're driving around and you're like, oh, I wish, I wish that person just scooted up a little bit more. It's not a problem because it's a smart car. So we got to this point, Heather and I, where we wanted to kind of get outside of the zone of bikeable slash busable. And I fell in love with this car. I'm just like, I'm just going to buy one. It's like, I'm just going to get one. I went on Craigslist and started searching and there's electric ones, gas ones. I was going to get an electric one, but then I realized it only goes like 70 miles and that's not very far. And I live in an apartment that doesn't have any chargers. So it's kind of like not a great situation yet. So down in Tukwila, no, Tukwila, yeah, I think somewhere near, no, no, or Puyallup, like way out, like an hour away, we were driving back from Portland, and, and there was one out there, and it's this red, beautiful smart car, 2009, so cutting edge technology, uh, it doesn't, they don't change ever, they're all the same, and uh, it's a convertible, it's a convertible smart car, which is amazing, that and is, uh, it's all decked out, we got strange. in it. Yes, I've always wanted to own a convertible. So I said, why not buy a really, really used, uh, cheap used one off of Craigslist? And it, 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 it's awesome. It has it has heated seats to warm our bottoms, which is great. And uh, it's its name is Ty, T-Y-E. So we're very, we're very happy to welcome Ty to the family. Well, first of all, again, if anything has ever professed my love for you more than this, I, I would deny it because I just retweeted that photo as you asked for knowing my experience with a smart car and my love for smart cars is not the same as yours and that just tells you all right i'm promoting the smart car I, again my memories of the smart car are not everything you just described there <laughs> they they were like feeling like i was struggling to get up every little hill throughout the bay area <laughs> um this was also a used smart car it was one of it was one mm. of the public public vice bicycles everyone's had its ride you know what i'm saying yeah. it was uh, mm. it was um so anyway, no, jokes aside, I'm very happy for you. Congratulations. I did retweet the photo. So those of you who follow the podcast and on Twitter will already know that I retweeted that, which means if you're listening to this podcast, you already know I retweeted the photo. You already know. Um, it's, it's pretty great. And I, I did a little feeler out to my Twitter followers. And I was like, what do you guys think about this car? And, and there was a bunch of owners, actually. Really? And there's a... There's yeah, a bunch of owners and a lot of people were just like, well, you know, tweeting I'm feeling back like at me, more and me. more like I'm just outside of the big city hipster life by the second right now. Yeah, because it's great. That thing, that thing could not survive where I live. And you know that. There's no, that's no and way. that's the funny thing, too, because I would never buy this car in Arizona because there's so much space to park. There's everyone has a truck or some huge SUV and it would feel very odd in and honestly driving around. Seattle where there's a lot of like Priuses and Ford Focuses and like a lot of smaller vehicles it actually felt just fine like Heather was driving it around she's like yeah it just feels like a normal car and and um so it was really cool and I agree I will say that this car having one owner ever felt a lot better than the car to go ones because those things are all beat up and they're probably the cheapest of the cheapest model that they could probably put on the road so um yeah I really liked it now I stand stand corrected and I, I clearly need to be open to revisiting my smart car experience and i'm up to seattle i'll take you for a ride you know what that's what we'll do we'll uh we'll we'll zip around town i think that you can literally say zip around town when you're driving a smart car it just feels like you're zippity zippity so zippity doodah yeah Uh, and it is pretty great and in fact i used it to go to the movies i've we're already putting ty to use okay and Um, what movie did you see so uh me and my friend jesse uh, he invited me to go see the avengers right 
Okay, the new, I mean, the new I mean, Avengers. The new Avengers, uh, Justice League. Right, <laughs> exactly. There is only one real... Uh, well, I okay, I also saw the Justice League, but I'm going to let you go first with your review of whether you a thumb up or thumbs down and why, and then I'll give mine. Okay, so let's do a little recap here. Now, this is a DC movie. I don't know okay. if you ever That's heard of, of them. That's very important to clarify. Not Marvel, not to be mistaken by Marvel. That's the Avengers. This is Justice League. Marvel, right. DC. See the difference? Okay. okay. Um, did you see, you've seen all the Batmans. I have seen all of the Christian Bale Batmans, the Michael Keaton Batmans, a half an mm-hmm. hour of the Val Kilmer Batman. I refuse mm-hmm. to watch the George Clooney Batman. Oh, is okay. this where have we're going s- with this or no? No, I'm just I'm just get, giving a recap of where we fall, right. you and I. This is very important to the movie arc. because On the, D, on the DC spectrum. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Batman versus Superman? Yes, I did. I did watch that one. I, I, I'll put it this way. I have seen all of the new genre. Since they decided DC woke up to all the money that they were leaving on the table because of how big <laughs> yeah. the Avengers were getting on Marvel. And they said, we got to start our own franchise, which is no longer just these one-off DC franchises. That's been the problem. Mm-hmm. We need to do Man of Steel and then Batman, all this stuff, right? So I, I have seen every movie in that genre, which started with Man of Steel. Okay. Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman, and and now the Justice League. So I did not watch any of the Superman movies actually, besides Batman versus Superman, which is a terrible movie. Uh, but I did see Wonder Woman, which I which I loved. I thought that was a great flick. Um, Man of Steel is pretty s- good, by the way. It's a little slow, is it? But okay. it's it's pretty good. I, I didn't think it was terrible. No, it was. I, yeah, I was just never in that world. Like sometimes the superheroes, I'm just not really too into and. Aquaman hasn't had a movie, so so the Justice League is Aquaman, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, and The Flash. Is that his name, Cyborg? I think so, right? Oh, wow. Cyborg. Seems so self-explanatory that I didn't even, I didn't even know what his superhero name was. I was just rolling with it. They're like, all right, this dude's a robot. I'm like, cool, let's go. <laughs> yeah, basically. Cyborg. Yeah, exactly. And it's only two hours long, which was good because it could have definitely went for very long. Now, this movie was like completely reshot. Joss Whedon did some of it and some other people did a bunch of it. Zack Snyder. It very much felt like a Zack Snyder film because my, my friend Jesse described this really well is Zack Snyder, when he's like writing and um directing a movie he comes up with like the idea of a scene first and then builds a movie around it because he'll be like oh man wouldn't it be really cool if like aquaman was like riding this guy down and like went through a movie and then slid out on him like all right how do we set that up you know and they build like this whole scene around it right um I think that this movie to me, I actually liked it. I think a lot more than Jesse liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, It kept me in it. I thought that there was a lot of weird. I thought there was a lot of weird dialogue and just weird um, plot points because I was like, why would you do that? And they kept going back to this family in Russia. I'm like, no spoiler alerts. okay, people. But there's there's this family in Russia or whatever. And that that was one of the only truly off putting parts to me. I agree. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was like, why? Like, why are you doing this, right? Um, I will say, who was your favorite, though? I mean, I, I, liked, I liked Flash's humor, and I also liked mm. Aquaman. I like um, Aquaman a lot because he's a complete B.A. Yeah, total B.A. Um, I liked Flash's sense of humor. I thought it was mm-hmm. good to have, like, kind of a, kind of the, the snarky kind of kid. Um, because I think one of the mistakes that the DC franchise has, has done in their uh, – 
in their in their approach to the superhero market is one thing about the Marvel movies is they all tend to be they all tend to have good senses of humor and they kind of are are a little more fun in the sense that look this is a superhero movie right let's make mm-hmm. jokes and let's have a good time even with the bigger picture direction of our of our whole you know network here and I think that Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman really took themselves way too seriously even though Man of Steel was better it was just like way they, like they took themselves way too seriously over the top. I mean, Ben Affleck doesn't help any movie, uh, you know, laugh at itself, but, um, which I still disagree with. My, my two big things are this. So one, I didn't understand the Russian thing. And two, I still am not a huge fan of Ben Affleck as Batman, though I feel like his Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne was pretty good in this movie. I agree. Um, I agree. His Bruce Wayne, I think is spot on, but I think yeah. his Batman is just a little bit off. Yeah. And but overall, I'm actually, it's funny to hear you say that. I think my expectations were so low that I also enjoyed it. I have to say that I, I read afterwards that a lot of DC fans felt like Rotten Tomatoes and other critics were too hard on the Justice League. And I, I actually tend mm-hmm. to agree. I think that the Justice League, Justice League, for what it was, was really entertaining. They managed to introduce a number of new characters trying to sort of, you know, leapfrog their franchise into a position where they can start doing these bigger picture superhero gatherings and get away with it. Um, and okay, I think that you're right. I think that everything was kind of organized around this one epic scene where they go and do battle and, and some of the stuff there was just crazy over the top. But, you know, Superman comes in and every the band is back together in the end. Again, I'm sorry for the spoiler alerts, but if you knew we were talking about this, you probably should have not listened to it a little bit ago. But, you know, so overall, I have I have some huge questions if we want to dive into, like, conspiracy theories. But then I reminded myself, oh, my gosh, this is the Justice League. I now have no thoughts about this and no critical questions because there's zero reason to do that. But there's really um, no reason. Did you stay around till the very, 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 very end? Did I? Oh, yes, I did. To the very, 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 very end when Lex very, Luthor very, very comes end. in. Yes, well, yeah, yes I did. Yes, and I honestly, did. let's just make it a point here that... Um, Jesse Eisenberg, I think I, this movie was better. Here's the, here's my synopsis of the entire movie for everyone. The entire movie was better because Jesse Eisenberg wasn't in it as Lex Luthor. Yeah. It's just not good. He's not the most intimidating Lex Luthor. He's definitely a, he's like Ben Affleck for Batman to me. It's a totally different direction of how I think of, of it. And, and honestly, the other thing that rose me the wrong way about Ben Affleck is that he's such a big star the movie has to go out of its way to make sure that he's the main character where they don't even have to do that with Superman because he's not the biggest actor yet, right? I feel like the whole the whole franchise would have been better if everybody started at the same footing as as Gal Gadot, right? As Wonder Woman, as the guy Henry something that plays Superman. They should have got some strapping you know, like good looking dude to be the Batman, you know, and who nobody knows. And then I feel like I would have an easier time rolling with the story. That's just my, you know, this is just Dan's feedback. Okay. Not saying I'm right. But there's, there's one point in the movie though. I will agree that I really like the flash because of the com- comedy point of it. And there was one part, I'm not going to spoil it, but people will know where there's a look, there's a look and a stare between Superman and the flash and it cracked me. Like I was laughing literally out loud for 45 seconds in the movie theater. I couldn't, I was having heart palpitations. It w- I was, I was laughing so hard because it was so good. Um, and I think that made me like the movie a lot more <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. The, uh, anyway, so it was good. So I guess we're both giving it for those of you who care what James and Danny think in our podcast. Now, you know that we're both, I think we're both giving it, you're not going to, 
it's not a it's not a bad movie. I, it's not worthy of Danny's legendary thirty second movie synopsis. Don't waste your time. You know, let me summarize the movie for you in thirty seconds. No, it, it's mm-hmm. it, I think it's good enough to go see, and I think that um, the humor has been picking up both in Wonder Woman and Justice League. I feel like if they stay on this path of you know not taking themselves so seriously and just letting these characters that are larger than life is from the comics kind of do the work, then everything should be good. You know, that's that's kind of my theory. So. Yeah, my, my thing with this movie is like so that the tomato meter is a 41 and the audience score is an 82 and I'm somewhere in between there. But I will say, like, I would have not gone to this movie if like Jesse didn't text me and like, I'm super crazy bored. Is there literally anything we can do? Maybe go see Justice League. That could be a, that that going to see Justice League is a little bit better than sitting in my house alone doing right. nothing. <laughs> that that's that's my breakdown. That's your that's your raving review. So, um, yes. Yeah. All right, well there you go. We both gave our reviews. I uh I uh I went and saw it with Nash and Warner and speaking of the boys, I'm I'm back to helping out with more basketball. I uh the the rec season's over. We finished our season mm. as I told you, very successfully. Yep. Uh crushed it. With a with a with a solid five and one record and uh, established some relationships with a lot of his friends and now he's he's trying out for the junior high team and so I started talking to the junior high coach and and just kind of you know shooting the breeze about basketball theories and stuff and and it kind of helped because his kid was on our rec team so and he and he and he uh, mm. liked liked what he saw so he's kind of maybe pulling me in a little bit to help with out with the team and it's not like. Um, I'm looking for more stuff to do, but it kind of doesn't conflict with anything. So I don't know, Motsi, this could be my second career starting. I really nice. enjoy working. I really enjoy coaching basketball with these kids. It, it, it practices are from like 6:30 a.m. to 8 a.m. every Tuesday and Thursday. So super easy to fit in. We did it. We did it. We did a, um, a practice today. So that's, that's my little secret hobby that I'm doing right now is coaching basketball. I say do it. I say, I you know, by giving the time back orders those kids that were high. Them. Right. If Nash mm-hmm. does well, by the time Warner's in junior high, maybe I could be the full time coach. And then, oh, you know, because he's, you know, he's the younger brother and it would be cool. The one thing that is pressure, dude, as a parent is you if you do one thing for your older kid, you always feel like you have to do it for the other kid, too. Mm. And so you just have one kid. Well, there you go. Right. <laughs> no, the, or, or, or you get lucky and have one boy and one girl. So you can legitimately separate that you both have different interests, although that's not always true. Right. But I can say that I um, it makes me nervous, not because it's not something I don't want to do, but because I just know in a, on a realistic uh, level that life it doesn't work that way. Right. Everything is not exactly eye for an eye all the time. So sometimes I feel like I'm spending all this time with Nash because he's the firstborn. And so naturally he's doing things first. I mean, he's 12 and the, and Warner's eight, nine. Right. And then, and then you're like, Hey, but you know, if you're putting in this time here, you better have time to do it for the younger brother too. So I don't know, maybe, maybe our, maybe our listeners can give some feedback on that. I'm, I know that there are probably more experienced and wiser parents than myself listening to this podcast. So I don't know what the theory is on that. What's the game? What's the game theory, right? I think that Overall, I like to subscribe to the fact that if you have the same amount of like love and empathy, it, you're lying to yourself if you don't acknowledge that relationships and people are different and not everything is ever going to be exactly the same. You have to deal with it's... the moment. So as long as you love the kids yeah. and have the same level of like, you know, whatever, but then at the same time, do you create resentment amongst your kids, even though you know that and your experience as the great Dumbledore once said, Albus Dumbledore, you can check it out. Um, it's in a book called Harry Potter. As he once said, youth is not guilty for understanding the wisdom, you know, like basically what an older person feels. But age is guilty if it forgets how youth feels. Mm. So that those Very were wise. words from a wise wizard, 
right before he got Abada kedavra by uh, Severus Snape. Oh my God, that was the biggest spoiler alert I just gave ever. But um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Harry Potter. Yet. Yeah. Um, let me. Let me. Yeah. Give me. Give okay, me your. Me, you don't have kids perspective. Exactly. So, but being recently around a lot of families that have children. Well, who's what? You know, did those families have a lot of kids? They had a lot of children. Not to, <laughs> did the, my did brother also has three you? kids. <laughs> uh, no, they were great. Everyone's okay. fantastical. Uh, but we've been around a lot more first-time parents, like first one child. And then we've recently also been around a lot of multiple children, families. And Heather and I were actually thinking about this. And we're looking back at our childhood because we were both the second in the family, right? So we were not the firstborn. And... We were recently thinking about, oh, um, our friend Luke is going to have a, another human being soon. And we're like, oh, is there going to be like a baby shower or like, do we have to buy baby gifts? Like, how does that work? You know, I'm like, because if you get married again, like, do you get another wedding? Like, do you go, do you go through that stuff? And we were trying to look up proper etiquette for, you know, the second child or the third child or the fourth child. And there's like some great debate there of like whether you should or wh- whether you shouldn't. And if you start looking at that, like the first child is like everyone is handholding like if you're you're the you're a new parent you don't know what you're doing like what if the child bumps its head or what if it you know does something wrong or oh my goodness right and then the second child is like a little bit of that right you're feeling kind of at home and then child three and four like just kind of do whatever they want right there's kind of they're good because you you it, it's like almost that you've matured enough that you have you have like faith and capability that like that human being is a human being can like can take care of themselves a little bit more than being like handheld the entire time. So even for me, if I look at photos of myself, there's like way more photos of my sister than than me, right? And because I'm the second child, because it's like right. a new it's like a new toy. Do you want to but transition to say, this like, podcast to you talking about that? Is that what no, we need? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No. I was saying <laughs> that's you, you don't have to pay me for. to listen to your problems. I pay somebody to listen to mine, but I'm here if you want to exactly. talk about the picture thing. But but if you think about it, right, it's the same thing that you're going through, too, is like right now you're like, well, Nash is super interested in basketball. So, like, I'm going to go do that. Right. But what if Talia is not right, not interested in that at all? It's not that you may not want to. It's just different, different things. But at the same time, you just might be exhausted at that point. You're got you've coached for 25 years now. And what are you going to do? Right. Right. Well, and I, um, I think one nice thing about having the kids know. close enough is hopefully that uh doesn't happen i mean yeah yeah i mean it's hard <laughs> the way you just described I don't know. that i, I got exhausted before i could finish my sentence um it's a good question i, I don't really know because i think that i think that you know the nice thing is since warner and nash are so close in age being both boys that could lend well and then you know hazel and talia um could also, since they're relatively closer in age as well, that might be the nice mashup, right? It's almost like you had just two kids, like a boy and a girl, but then you had boy, boy, girl, girl, like they're just like stacked differently. Right. So it may work out okay, but I, I don't know. I mean, from the sounds of it, though, it seems like all of your children are a little bit, if not a lot different than they each are. Other. They're totally different. And Warner is honestly getting more and more into like music stuff. And, and that's just kind of... Mm. It's just kind of the way it works. And I, I think it's it's one of those things, it's first world problems, you know, because we're parents who have kids that are, you know, pretty much spoiled rotten and have a ton of opportunities <laughs> ahead of them. And not in a bad way. I mean, I, I think I talk to my kids a lot about responsibility and accountability and all that. I mean, we talk about it on a podcast, but, but if you're just, you know, being honest, I mean, the truth is that, you know, if you compare 
their problems to other people's problems. It's, it's, you know, and I, they're not, again, they're not mature enough yet to understand that. And that's normal, right? You have to let people, everybody deserves to have the current level of understanding in life that they have, right? You can't ask somebody to be in a place they're not. And so if you're talking to your kids, that's kind of what Dumbledore's wisdom is about. So for him, for Warner, even if he's different, it doesn't mean he's going to understand that that means that the way we spend time together may also be different, right? They still want to compare apples to apples, even though you see them as an apple and an orange. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that I think that that's where I get, that's where I get a little worried about it. But, um, but I do appreciate what you were saying. I think as you grow older, you kind of understand that that is how it is, you know? And like, um, it's, you know, as a human being, you know, if you have a couple kids, like, you, you know, sometimes the older kid gets more pictures. Sometimes that's life, you know? I mean, that's like, life. it's, it's the way it is. And maybe it, maybe it provides motivation to go and, you know, start a, start a camera company and take more pictures of yourself. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, well, I think what was also very interesting is being around, you know, the families was actually seeing how children nowadays have it so different. We talk about technology often, but into uh, your point, like when Nash was born, it was a very different time than when Talia was born, even though they're really not that many years apart. They're what, like seven years apart, eight years apart, something like that. Yep. Yep. And well, 10, I was sitting there, but yeah, 10. Okay. So I was sitting there and Oh, we were hanging out in the back back patio. This was in Thanksgiving. So if you didn't listen to last, last week's episode or Thanksgiving episode, I was sitting there and Talia comes up and she's got like, she's you know, just dads. looking like 11 from Stranger Things. Just coming she's up. looking like 11. Everyone started calling her 11 by the end of the night. I don't know if you knew that. That's how much my daughter, by the way, looks like 11. For those of you who listen to our podcast that watch Stranger Things, she I don't watch Stranger Things, but Motsy and 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 Heather could not stop telling me that she was a spitting image of 11. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's uncanny. And she came up and she was like she was asking for um, uh, granddad's phone. So she like got got his phone. And she wanted to look through photos and it, I was just watching her at a distance and, and she's just like knew exactly what to do. Right? And I've heard this before, like, oh, they just know what they want to do. But she's just like on Facebook, like on unlock. And she's like, pull, she's like, let me just go through this photo and swipe left, swipe right. And look at this photo. Look at that photo. I'm gonna play this video. And she knew how to replay the video. And I'm like, how crazy is that? I was like, I was like, are we are, are they going to be like way sm- like smarter? Like, Because I was like, is it is it worse that they have this? Is it better that they have this? Is it worse that I didn't it's, have this? You know I, what it I, is? I'm it's it's, un- it's uncomparable. Like it's it's yeah. that much of an exponential shift. And I think that Bill has talked about that. Because speaking of her granddad, he's 94 flipping years old. Mm-hmm. Like that's really old. 94. And I know there are, there are older there. records, everybody. But if you start doing the math on on 94 – a lot has changed and he's more capable with his smartphone and his computer than my dad is who's in his like seventies. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. there's different. So I I don't know, dude, I have the same thought. It's uncomparable. Every time I, I think of that, I try to think like, well, like I really do talk to my kids about, you know, um, don't live and die by technology and your phones and all this stuff. But it's also something that I have no idea what it will be like. And, and clearly, you know, all we can do is do the best to prepare them for our future and not try to force them to be comfortable with our past, which um, is, I think, I, I heard something similar to that in an educational seminar, and it really inspired me in terms of how I educate, because it's like, look, a lot of the problem with education for a long time was we were trying to force kids to learn the way that we were taught and mm. not recognizing that 
you know, information is fed at such a different pace now that the, I mean, the development of the brain is different. And, and, and we don't always know, you know, that a kid has ADD. Maybe they just need to be in a different type of environment, right? So that's like a whole nother, again, you know, I get passionate about education and the brain. That's a whole nother thing. But I think it applies in the sense that you can't try to like measure kids by the same, um, you know, the same instruments that we were measured by. There's just no way to do it. There's just, it's just like, I have no idea. And I'm literally, I'm the one who has kids and is like raising them and sending them out into the world. So I have no flipping idea what I'm doing. Like, but that's, but I think that's okay. So I don't know. I think it's okay. I think you're doing great. I think you guys are doing great. Family is lovely. I'm super impressed. Um, not, I'm not going to have four kids, but not because you had four kids. It's just, I I get, I give you, it's not your path. I get it, man. I mean, but who knows? Maybe, maybe you and Heather will have, um, a puppy. Maybe you you have you have one and then you have three more and that right. just happens. You never know. That's you true. never know. Well, my time is click. No, my, my clock is, is, is a ticking. You know what I mean? So I better that, get to But work. that old biological one, huh? Yeah. Getting old. <laughs> getting old. Well, is that really interesting? Because you're right. We were sitting there talking to Bill and, um, it was crazy because he was talking about 19, 1940s and the war. And he's like, it's like, I had to take this ship and it took like six weeks. I was like, I couldn't even imagine being in a, sh- on a ship for six weeks. That's yeah. crazy to me. Like just like, that's how long ship probably with, Oh, really bad. Terrible. I mean, we're so we're so spoiled. But speaking of being spoiled, our listeners are spoiled um, in a good way mm-hmm. because because we we uh, we love them and we try to do as much listener feedback as we can. So we have some good ones. The first one that we have to give a shout out to is we don't know who you are, but somebody took us up on our shout out with the last episode being thank you for Carl. Carl Magnuson is now a real figure on Twitter <laughs> and uh and I'm super excited to welcome Carl to the to the to the Twitter world. Carl Magnuson. Carl Magnuson. He's out there, and um, I was really excited when people when I, when we got that. I have no idea who did it, but it's pretty great. I have no idea. Um, who did it. I, I'm going to go find it again. I already retweeted Carl Magnuson. I think I need to follow. I'm going to go follow him right now. So now I'm following yeah. Carl Magnuson. And then you can follow via our follows. Um, and it's kind of actually entertaining because people, our listeners may have been confused, by the way, when we're talking about Carl Magnuson, we're actually talking about Magnus Carlsen. Right. We're not talking about the actual chess master level player from Sweden, Carl Magnuson. We're not actually talking about that Carl. Yeah. We're talking about Magnus. Well, Carlson. the thing is that Carl Magnuson is now creating a persona. I think his persona is going to be kind of a bit of a cocky Magnus Carlson. If you go to Carl Magnuson's, um, which I think is funny, it's basically a parody account, and that's okay. He says, "Good luck to the other grandmasters playing in the London Chess Classic. I look forward to seeing which of you will take second place." Um, and and I think it's hilarious and it's fun and it's all it's all in good fun. If you don't know this, there are actually a few parody accounts already for Magnus Carlson. There's Magnuts Carlson. Um, and there's also one for, for Nakamura called, called like Nakafax, which is actually a very similar and pretty funny with some pretty hardcore stuff, like kind of on the Chuck Norris line of just like claiming outrageously hilarious accomplishments, you know? Um, and if you do it in a creative, good. and if you do it in a creative, smart way, it can be really funny and not, and not, not come across as, as, uh. I don't know, inappropriate or classless in any way. So, all right. But that was one, that was one thing I had to give a shout out. And we've got two other listeners who wrote in with some good feedback. Yeah. So the first one here, which I was talking about is like, so there is a Swedish player named Carl Magnuson on FIDE. Like that has to be real, right? Yeah, no, it's real. No, there is a real Carl Magnuson and that's exactly who he is right there. 
right there. But, I mean, <laughs> his FIDE, I don't know what he looks like, but that's a real FIDE profile. I can I can verify that. So, so if it's on FIDE, that's a real person that is ranked, right? In real life, <laughs> right? But he's not our Carl Magnuson. He's not our Carl. Not not our Carl. So so is this player ranked? Like, how could you tell if this player was? He's a FIDE. He has no FIDE title, so he's not. Um, he doesn't have a like an international or grandmaster FIDE master title, but he's about. 2100 so that's a that's a very good player i mean he's a strong player um in the u.s he might be like close to like master strength he's obviously ranked in the top 500 in sweden as we can see from his profile um so carl magnuson this carl magnuson is going to have to come out of the woodwork to fight for the right to his name given the nickname we've given magnus carlson from this podcast so if carl magnuson is listening to this podcast we would love to have you on yeah, no we and really would actually title. if anybody can get a hold of carl magnuson I'd love to get him on this podcast. That'd be great. It would be awesome to have Magnus Carlsen play Carl Magnuson. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Can uh, you make that happen, Danny? Can that happen? I I can. I don't know ask, what Magnus is. Uh, Magnus does a lot of stuff with chess.com. Um, and we. I have a whole separate relationship with him that is very much like me representing chess.com and him, and him being who he is i.e. Magnus Carlsen, a.k.a. Carl Magnuson. But I don't know. He would The only way he would do it would be totally for fun. Um, and yeah. uh, and I don't know that he's a big podcast listener, so I can ask him and just say, hey, it'll have to be the next time we're in person. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable kind of like bringing it up in an email at this point. I don't know. I don't want to be like, yeah, hey, be Magnus, it, you're, it, yeah. you're a world champion who commands you know six-figure appearance fees to show up at places. Will you join my podcast? Um, and I think he might do it, though. Oh. I like that. Well, anyway. Do it. Other listener feedback. So, uh, yes, people want to work with you even more. We talked about it at the beginning, but uh, people love our podcast and they want to work with not me. They don't. They don't care about me. Well, they you care work about for Microsoft. Danny. So it's kind of like I do. I mean, you kind of work for one of the four or five biggest companies on the planet. That's true. I mean, so it's not that they don't want to work with you. It's just you. You know, you get it. No, Again. you don't get it. <laughs> so I don't get it, but it's okay. So. Manteg, that's what I'm going to say. Um, I'm really bad at names. I'm just curious about what is the, so since we talked a little bit about getting a job and the jobs that are available at chess.com, what are the, what's the process of working at chess.com? Is there internships? Is there, you know, some, some guidance, some CCO level guidance that you could give people to getting a job at chess.com or an internship if you guys have internships? Honestly, we need to figure out we need to figure out a way to open the door for more intern level positions um, for exactly like um, Manteg's email here. So just want to thank you, Manteg, for reaching out. And as you said, I mean, so you're a, you're a young guy in India. You'd like to be you'd like to get involved in finance. And, and the thing is, we have, you know, so we have our own COO, our, you know, chief operations officer and our VP of of um basically marketing and operations. So we have a couple of guys who their job and, and from a financial perspective is to always challenge the bottom line and really think about money first, money second and money third, right? Which is which is fun and stressful at times. Uh, but um, I'm lucky that I don't have to always think of, I just get to spend money. I don't have to make money. I just get to spend chess.com's money on big on big events. Um, but you know, we should have something. I, maybe Mots can provide advice to chess.com. How does Microsoft handle internships? We've always basically just said like no, it, which I just realized I've probably said no to like a dozen potential internships just being in 
and my tenure of being able to make decisions like that, which is probably not a good thing. And it's never a bad thing. It's just like, hey, like, okay, like, that's awesome. Thank you for lovingchess.com and your support. And like, I don't know how an internship works. Um, yeah, so great question. And I'll kind of give you my two cents because we did internships at Xamarin and we do internships now at Microsoft. And I will say, though, it's a little bit more challenging for something like chess.com where there is no home base. So I don't know where you're necessarily interning from, but we did have a lot of people work kind of remotely. So I'm not really positive, but, you know, at Xamarin, we definitely had people in San Francisco and in Boston come out, you know, internship for the summer from school or from elsewhere. And at Microsoft, internships is a huge thing. It's a paid internship. Um, it's you, they fly these, uh, the interns out. A lot of them are students, not all, not all of them are students necessarily, but they'll fly out for the summer or for another, you know, for a semester and they get housing, you know, they pay for housing. They do all this stuff, right? Because a lot of them don't live in the city. You know, if they live in the city, they, they can live in the city, but they, they essentially get badges They're employees. They get to, I don't know if they pick the teams that they work on. But I think that they're placed like based on like what they're studying and what they're going for, what they're most interested in. Maybe they're really interested in mobile or machine learning or AI or something. And yeah, I mean, these interns, we hire a lot of them. I mean, we really want to like and in fact, some of the some of my um, best colleagues that I work with are ones that I worked with as they were interning. Pierce interned with us for like two years because he was in school. He just kept interning and then we hired him. And I love Pierce to death. He's just an amazing individual. And and he he knows he knows the business so well because he's he worked there. He's worked here longer than I have, but he was interning for two of those years. Right. So um, it's really crazy. But yeah, and that's the thing is they you, you get to have a rapport and they're just they're another employee, really. But they're just interning. And, and, and that's it. I think it's I think they have a lot of passion and drive because they're they're wanting to get the job, right? They don't have the job. And that's kind of the cool thing about an internship from my point of view. If I'm going to intern, intern somewhere, I don't have to stay here, right? I'm having a good time. I'm learning a lot. I'm getting hands-on experience. But if it's not a good fit, there's literally no downside. And there's really no downside for the company either because the downside for the company is what? Like you either paid them a little bit or pay, you know didn't pay them based on the internship. You should probably pay them. But you know you got to hang out with someone that's cool and, and, and you may find someone that's awesome that you want to hire and you don't have to go through the vetting process because I think sometimes the hardest part and why internships are so important to not only startups but big companies like Microsoft and Amazon and, and Google and stuff is because that internship is this vetting process. Because by the end of it, if your PM or your manager loves you, they want to hire you. They don't want to go find someone else to replace yeah. you. They want to keep you. So they're incentivized. So um, I'm a big fan, well, I hear you. but and I, it has to be a good fit. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, uh, I definitely wasn't against it. It was just not something that's a part of our, that's been a part of our work culture, right? Or um, our, uh, the mm -hmm. workflow we've had. And I think our mindset has always been uh, kind of small business and we're expanding, expanding. We end up finding that people are doing too much and now we hire out of necessity, which means we're willing and ready to look for like a full-time role, you know, and pay for that person. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that we have to do better as we grow is is manage and anticipate that growth and put people in position to help so that we're constantly cultivating and training potential new talent, right? And new people to work with. So I, I, I didn't need to be sold, but you totally sold me. I love it. I love your breakdown. In fact, I am literally going to share the thoughts we're ha we're sharing here together with Eric and and with uh, Brennan and kind of figure out if we can maybe 
So, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know, uh, Montag, if it's you, if it's another, if there's many others. I would love to have an op- to give you an opportunity. Honestly, I really would to do stuff. We have plenty to do. So maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll be reaching back to you. But I'm definitely going to share the idea and see if we can set up some sort of infrastructure in Chess.com to kind of help support this sort of uh, this sort of thing. Because it's just not so, like I said. It, like I, our mindset was different, right? It was like we grow, grow, grow. Holy shenanigans! We all feel overwhelmed. We definitely need to <laughs> fill these holes. Let's hire these people. And and I think that yeah. it's just a different mindset than knowing you're that big, knowing there's a lot going on and you constantly need to be bringing people in to help. So it's, uh, you know, we're learning and, um, and I, and I, and I love that. I think, I think you described the, the pros, the pros pretty well there, Monsi, as you would being you. Boom. Boom. Well, I think that's it, Danny. I think that one, maybe we'll find you a new executive assistant. Maybe you'll find some interns. Look at chess.com. Look at that. We're having growing discussions on this podcast. Our, our listeners are sending in the kind of amazing we're spoiled i'm spoiled from the listener feedback we get our listeners give amazing feedback and ask amazing questions so um and i'm actually literally <laughs> the more i think about this whole carl magnuson thing the more i'm cracking up about it to be totally honest so who knew one little slip of the tongue from james montemagno could create such a scandal it is very scandalous well i say people Keep that feedback coming. Go to blunders.fm. There's a contact button. You can, of course, tweet at us on Twitter. You know where we are. All right, Danny, I'm going to go off. It's still raining here, but I am going to go make some more coffee. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. You know, we need to hit that coffee talk. Let's get some coffee talk. Um, I'm going to have some good coffee talk discussions. Although I did run out of the French roast you got me while in Paris. So we got got, Mm. got lots to discuss about the future direction. Should Danny just bite the bullet now and just get Blue Bottle delivered? Should he continue to rely on coffee philanthropists like Mott's? Find out next time on Coffee House Blunders. That's right. And also get insights on my conversations with Danny's wife on that exact subject <laughs> next week on Coffee next House week. Blunders. See you, buddy. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. All right.